found in this chart is, okay, and I also want you guys to know I did a little bit of research on the amount of times or the increase in usage of the word busy in society, and what was weird is it was almost the exact opposite that the use of the word busy was up and to the right. But yet I see this chart that's saying, oh, but we're becoming less busy over time. Our work days are getting shorter and shorter, or at least plateauing and flatlining around the 40-hour-a-week mark. So there's this weird kind of like, what's going on here? I I don't understand if our work days are getting shorter. Now, granted, I know this isn't everyone. This is an average, right? So it might not speak to everyone in the room. But if our work days are getting shorter, why are we using this word busy so much more? And so I think my um, thought to that, or from research, what I found is though these new inventions were supposed to help create efficiencies and create more time, that did indeed happen. But at the same time, this new technology gave us an infinite amount of leisurely options, an infinite amount. We can listen to as much music on Spotify as we could ever want. I think there are more songs and more hours of songs on Spotify than we will ever live. Like it doesn't ever end. Same for Netflix. There's an endless amount. Stop laughing, Kristen. I know you watched it. (laughs) There's an endless amount of Netflix shows and series. Read something that said that the average Netflix series is finished in three days. Do you guys remember the time when your show only came on on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m.? You didn't have DVR. Is that what it's called? I think when you can record it. I don't know if we ever, I don't know if we ever had DVR. We still don't have that. But but there's just been such a shift in our mindset. Everything is so accessible. Endless amounts of books and options and people to see and places to go. Everything is at our fingertips. Our options and accessibility has created a newfound sense of hurry. Even within the workplace, we're only working 40 hours a week on average. But I was sending an email at 8 p.m. last night. I don't know about you guys. We're attached to these pieces of technology that make work and fun, leisure, so accessible that it's for using this word and lined on overdrive. It's kept our body on overdrive, and thus we're using this word and living in this state of busyness. So I have a couple of uh, other averages and statistics for you here. Granted, like I said before, this is an average. Some folks are going to be below, so you can go ahead and claim that you're below, but the truth is some of us have got to be above for this to be the average. Can I get an Amen. The average person watches 35 hours of TV a week. 35 hours of TV. Y'all, that's a work week. That's a lot of hours. The the CEO of Netflix was actually quoted saying their biggest competitor in the market right now is the human's need for sleep. Y'all might not have studied business, y'all might not have studied economics, but your biggest market competitor to be human sleep, you don't hear anybody else saying, yeah, um, KFC, our biggest market competitor right now is um, the human's need to breathe, you know? That's just our biggest market competitor. Or yeah, Kohl's right now, our biggest market competitor is that folks got to eat. I mean, you don't hear that, but that's what the CEO of Netflix is saying right now. They got us wrapped around their fingers. Anyway, I'm going to keep going. 
The original president of Facebook, Sean Parker, was quoted saying that the main objective of Facebook and social media is to literally hack our minds and determine how to consume as much of our time and attention as humanly possible. Guys, at this point, he's no longer the president. He's now coming out with almost a sense of conviction saying, we are literally controlling you. We are literally manipulating your mind by what we've done with social media. I was reading about how just even the body and chemically like this all plays into it, but we get a hit of dopamine every time someone likes our photo, our status, our story, all the different things that can be liked and loved and shared. We get a hit of dopamine and we become addicted to that. Even the lighting on our phone screens, there's something in that that sends us these feelings that we get addicted to the scroll and that creates this sense of busyness. If you, if you don't believe that you are addicted to the feeling that you get when you get those likes, I want to ask, and really I don't want you to raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass anybody this morning, but I know for a fact y'all be taking them photos down when you don't get enough likes on them. Y'all do. I say y'all, but I probably do too. Because there's this feeling of identity wrapped up in this constant connection to people around us. Another um, statistic here, the average iPhone user touches their 2,617 times a day. 2,617 times a day. I know we don't touch our Bibles that much. And don't even say you got the Bible app on there. But not even that. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure we breathe a lot in a day. That's not it. But part of me is like, do I even breathe that much? Like, do I touch my phone more than I breathe? I know we don't eat that much, or at least I hope not. But, I mean, just normal life functions that are necessary, and we're clinging to a phone this much. And, y'all, I'm, I'm at the front of it all. We were praying this morning, and I confess, like, there are parts of this morning's message that are so convicting to me that I'm like, I really shouldn't be saying it. I should be receiving it. But um, Tabitha reminded me that I'm doing both say, saying it and receiving it right now, so thank you, Tabitha. But I, on Friday you know, sitting at work in the bathroom stall talking to my husband on the phone. I mean, because you got to take your phone everywhere, right? And it was not weird at all until my coworker walked in the bathroom. And then I felt the need to, like, change my time. Like, hey, yeah, what are you doing? And then it was like, I'm sorry, I'm in the restroom right now. I'm going to have to call you back. <laughs> but we have this addiction. And it's not, it, don't get me wrong, it's not just a technology thing, though. I think there's a lot of threads that, that kind of pull in there. But because of the advancements of technology, we live in this state of hurry. Check the amount of time, the screen time thing on your phone that shows you how much you're on it. And if you're not really one of those folks that are involved in technology, don't worry. I have other examples for you. Um, when is the last time you drove the speed limit in the right lane? Oh, we got one person that drives the speed limit. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. I mean, it, even when we aren't going somewhere, we're in the left lane, beeping the horn at the guy going slow. You, or maybe it's a woman, sorry. I don't know. I'm not trying to be gender specific in that. But, you know, we're in the left lane, passing everybody, got nowhere to go. 
Last time you were in the grocery store, you know you were eyeing line one, two, three, four. Ooh, 17 looks like the shortest. I'm going to head over there. You get to 17, and it's like, ooh, there's three people. Whoop, I'm going to go to self-checkout. Can't wait for three people. And we, and we have nowhere to go. We live in this state of hurry. Even in, i got to be honest, I went, and I just want to say right now, if you work at this um, place or if you have friends that do, I'm apologizing in advance, and I, I need Jesus look like the, just like the rest of us. But I went to Hardy's right over here. The other day, a couple weeks back, I love Hardee's. Well, I don't know, but I, <laughs> I love the option for food downtown. It was a Saturday morning. I had absolutely nothing to do all day. Um, that's beautiful when that happens. I just want to declare that. I know that's not always normal, but had nothing to do. Went to Hardee's to get those little fried potato. I could, but love those, love those things. They make me, you know, experience Jesus in a new way each day. But love those things. I pull up at the fast food, you know, the drive-thru, and it wasn't like, welcome to Hardy's, what can I get you? It said, you're going to need to come inside. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm going to go inside, that's fine, I still want my hash browns, so I'm coming. And I go inside, proceed to order, it was only like $2.12, whatever, nothing big here, but you'll find that I'm cheap, so that's important. And I wait for, I'm not lying, guys, it was a good 17 minutes for my hash browns. And when it's called fast food, I mean, you expect it to be fast, am I right? Can I get an amen? So... I, I mean, at the 15-minute mark, at that point, I had already combined with some friends, and we had decided that everybody that walked in the door, we were going to warn them, just so you guys know it's going to be 20 minutes. Just so you guys know it's going to be 20 minutes, which somebody would have warned me before I spent my $2.12, but it's going to be 15 minutes. And it, it, what ended up happening, they said, is the cook on the way in quit. And none of the people, I'm so sorry, I hope this ties back into Jesus. <laughs> The cook on the way in and quit, and none of the people that were signed up to do the cash register that day knew how to work the machines in the back. Now, I think the Lord wants us to have a lot of grace, and I think there's a lot of messages that could come out of that story. But the truth was, I had nowhere to be. And I, in my carnality, had created a little bit of a scene to prove, like, this is not fast food. What are we doing, guys? It would have been better to put a sign on the, day to, on the door to say, hey, this is, today we're just going to have to be closed because it just is not... We're not heading in the right direction, but we live in this state of hurry. I would even beg to differ. Like, we choose busyness. We are choosing to operate out of busyness. When we don't have anywhere to go, but we're in the left lane speeding, when we don't have anything to get home for, no meal to get home and cook, and we're in the shortest line. At the grocery store, I will sometimes do the self-checkout, even though it takes longer, just to make myself think I'm moving faster. And it is so hard to keep all the groceries balanced on that little way or so it doesn't send a signal saying you stole groceries. It is so difficult. But we live in this state of hurry where we are choosing busyness time and time again. So I'm going to get away from my personal stories now. I'm sorry about that. And we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about busyness. So turn with me to Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. As you guys are turning there, I want you to know um, that we have Bibles right here at the front and out front. If you don't have um, tangible scriptures to take with you, I think this is very important. I also want you guys to know that I'm a flawed human. So every time I speak and teach from the front, my prayer is that it has been completely uh, run through the Holy Spirit. But I want you guys to match what I'm saying against what you're finding in the Word and test it to see if it's true. You can direct your attention to, your, to the screen if you don't have it. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'm going to read that again. 
Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This morning, I want to focus specifically on come to me. Those three words, come to me, it's an unconditional promise of welcome, an invitation to come, also a command. Come to me, both invitation and command. It's a call to presence, to be present with the Lord. What's interesting to me about this, if you were to read a couple of um, paragraphs in the chapter before, Jesus was actually rebuking the cities and the religious leaders that saw firsthand the miraculous works he performed, saw firsthand the miracles that he was performing, but still refused to believe in him. So even as I read this and understanding the context, I feel like Jesus is saying, come to me, Believe in who I am and what I have to offer you. And what he's offering is rest for our souls. You guys, I believe that in this epidemic of busyness, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 gives us the solution. This is the answer to our busyness. It's pretty direct. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I, I will give you rest. Not you will give yourself rest. Not more sleep will give you rest. Not more distance from that person or that thing or that cell phone will give you rest. But Jesus will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. The ultimate answer and solution there. Now, I've got to recognize, I do believe that this is the solution to our epidemic of busyness, but I also think sometimes I look at that and I'm like, okay, practically, like, what does this look like? You know, like, okay, um, come to me if you're burdened and weary and you'll somehow find rest in that, but are there any practical examples? So I want you guys to turn with me um, just a little bit more to Luke 10, 38 through 42, for what I would consider to be a very practical example in the scriptures. It kind of mirror two different realities here in this life of busyness and movement and two. So it's Luke 10, 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now, what it doesn't say there, and in different um, translations, you'll see Martha invited him for dinner. That's what the opening of her home was, dinner. So she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be done because Jesus is traveling with his 12 disciples and Martha invites him in for dinner. So it's really not just a one-on-one dinner. You're talking about Mary and Martha, the 12 disciples, and Jesus. We're talking about a 15-person meal here. In the Loman house, we would say that's a need to do a big spaghetti. Am I right? There's, there's times where you do like individual chicken breasts, and then there are times when you do spaghetti. And this is a spaghetti moment, a lot to do. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to come and help me. Verse 41, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. 
Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So in this chaos of preparation and a meal of, for 15 people, you've got one person, as my mom would say, busting her butt to get it all together, you know, getting the, the house straight, getting the table prepared, getting the food ready. And then you got the other sister sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his, his teachings as he's teaching the disciples. And Martha's like, are you joking? Lord, this can't be your will. Get her to help me. I'm supposed to be preparing this. This is the only reason you guys are here to partake in the meal that I am putting together and preparing. And Jesus' answer is that Mary has chosen what's better, that Martha is worried and upset about many things, but only few are needed, actually just one, and that Mary has found that one thing. This practical teaching here, guys, shows me that there's one thing that should capture our attention. There is one Thing that should capture our motives and our activity. There's one thing that should capture our time. And that's sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning from his teachings. It's spelled out very clearly for us here to not get wrapped up in the preparation, to not get caught in the weeds and the details and all the activity. Father, the chaos and the busyness to sit at the feet of of the Father. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. I think this is a call for us to refocus our priorities. I don't know if you guys know, but really the concept and the strengths of time actually just show us our priorities. It show us our values. Uh, we use words a lot or sayings a lot like, I don't have time. I'm too busy. Some of y'all want more hours in a day, though I have found myself saying that before. I think the truth is we would just fill that up too. So I don't know that more hours is the answer, but the truth is we all have the same 24 hours. And actually, Jesus had that same 24 hours too. And from our graph earlier, that was pre-industrial revolution. That was pre-digital age. So he didn't have electricity. He didn't have light. I might even say he had less than 24 hours in a day because he couldn't operate in the darkness. There was no light. So when we look at our priorities, when we look at the life of Jesus, I actually have a quote to put up on the screen by Kirk Byron Jones. He's a pastor and the author of a book called Addicted to Hurry, where he said, if Jesus were around today, his pace would drive us nuts. That's convicting, y'all. If Jesus were around today, his pace would drive us nuts because the truth is, we are too busy right now in how we operate in our lives to actually follow Jesus. We are too busy to follow a Jesus that sets a different pace than we are operating in in this moment. He could have done so much more, so many more miracles, but he didn't operate out of busyness. He operated out of obedience he was intentionally active, always responding to the Father, always responding in obedience to what was asked of him. 
And a lot got accomplished in that. A lot more could have potentially been accomplished if he would have just worked, 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 worked. But if we are joining in on a faith journey to be like this person, we have to recognize the pace that he has. We have to recognize, I don't ever remember anything, and tell me afterwards if you see something in Scripture, but I don't remember anything I've ever read that's made me think at all Jesus felt busy that he was rushed, that he was anxious, that he was hurried. So why do we live our lives that way? I've been especially convicted in thinking about um, 1 Corinthians 13. We say that Jesus is love, that God... 1 Corinthians, and I've just been hit with the fact that busyness is not a virtue. 1 Corinthians 13 lines out to us what love is, and busyness is nowhere to be found. In fact, the first descriptor of what love is, is what? That love is patient. Counterpart to hurry, counterpart to busy. Love is patient. It's convicting. I think a lot of us are living in this odd dichotomy of our schedule controlling us. It's, it's this weird case of like the tail wagging the dog. That's not really how it's supposed to work, right? The, the dog wags the tail, but our schedules are controlling our lives. Our busyness is controlling our lives. I want us to look at our calendar and our daily rhythms. I want us to look at where our time is spent. We budget our money. I do. I don't know if you guys do, but I budget my money. And that's a resource that can grow and multiply or go backwards. You know how that goes. But, I mean, that's a fluid type of resource resource where time, I would say, is our greatest resource because it can't ever increase. It's just, it's time. So why are we not budgeting our time in college? I actually, in one of my accounting classes, had to do a time study where I looked at all 168 hours in my week and broke out day by day, minute by minute, what was done. And I tell y'all what, that's a humbling experience. You're walking around saying, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I don't really have time to brush my teeth or wash my hair. I don't know if any other women feel that way. I'm so busy. And then it's like, oh, 35 hours on Netflix. Okay. <laughs> Woo. Woo. I um, read something in my research that said the average, average, 18 to 20-year-old man at that point, you know, the 18 to 20 range, had played 10,000 hours of video games. 10,000 hours and hours you can, it takes to master any craft. So at 10,000 hours, you could be a master of martial arts. You could be a master of welding. You could be a master of a musical instrument. And maybe for you, it's not video games. But I think that there's something that can be inserted there. That all of that time being poured into something, I think it's the irony of motion without movement, doing a lot of stuff and doing nothing all at the same time. A lot of stuff and nothing all at the same time. So time is our most valuable resource. Today is November 10th, 2019. November 10th, 2019. Today my grass could die. 
And I would assume in bet, and not, I'm not a betting person, but I, we could put a um, <laughs> declaration that that grass will grow back. And it, today we could lose all our friends, but I would like to put a declaration that we will gain more friends in the future. And really, even when it comes to money, the stock market could crash right now, and it will build back up. That's just the cycle of how things go. But today is the only November 10th, 2019 you will ever get. That's not cyclical. Time is a limited resource. And so when we talk about busyness, when we talk about how we're spending our time, I just want to make it known that this is not a teaching series that's supposed to teach us to be lazy. That's not what it is at all. Actually, Paul was pretty clear in his um, letter to the church of Thessalonica, the Thessalonians, when he said, if a person does not work, don't let him eat. That's what Paul said, not me. That was Paul. So this isn't a series to teach you to be lazy, but it is meant to prompt this question. Does my schedule align with my values? Does my schedule align with my values? And I think it's hard because for some of us and where our values currently sit, we're probably sitting there thinking, yeah, I really value self-care. So when I'm getting my hair done and my nails done and the massage, and when I, that's just the women. I'm not really sure what men do for self-care. <laughs> but, um, you know, whatever it may be, and I'm not here to shame anything that you do or don't do, but it's made me write and prompt a second question here. So A, does my, value, does my schedule align with my values? But the greater question, are my values kingdom values? Are my values kingdom values? Matthew 6.33 tells us to seek first the kingdom of God, and then all else is added after that. Seek first the kingdom of God. The truth is, we're spending our time on meaningless things, church. And with time being a limited resource, we just can't do that. Corey Ten Boom has this quote that I want to share with you guys that said, If the devil can't make you sin, make you busy. If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. And this is because sin and busyness have the exact same effect on our lives. They cut off our connection to God, to people, and to eventually our own soul. If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Because sin and hurry create this chasm between us and the Father. It's like turning your back on the presence of God in this rushed, hurried mindset. And that's not his desire for us. I think a big part of this conversation, and this is, I'm, I'm kind of wrapping up with this this morning, but a big part of this conversation here is capacity. I think what's difficult about the hurry conversation is that it's not a one-size-fits-all, and it's even hard to hold each other accountable because we all operate at different capacities with different schedules. Now, I want this to be a normal part of discipleship conversations and investing in others and, and figuring out where we're setting aside time and creating time to sit at the feet of the Father, but I've got a little um, diagram that I made myself, so don't get too excited about it, <laughs> that shows us a, a little bit more about this capacity conversation. And that's that we all have a load, and then we have our limit. So I want us to think of our load for the most part. Now, it may have more than this, but our non-negotiables, right? 
we all have a job or we all have class or we all are a wife or a daughter or a son or a husband or a brother, sister, a mother, father. We all have roles that we can't really detach from. Those are just our roles. And so that's our load. And then we have this limit, this max capacity where we really can't exceed this mark. Like this is kind of like the end of me. And the truth is we all are operating about probably as far as we can get to that limit. We are pushing the max here. We're pushing max capacity and operating this constant state of busyness. But I think the Lord's calling us to create and acknowledge this margin. And I'm praying for an increased margin, church. I'm praying that we create time for the Father. And what that's going to mean is whatever's in that gap for you, whatever fills in where that arrow is, it's going to mean looking at those things and taking some of those things away to create time to sit at the feet of the Father, to create that time. So let us slow down. Let us have awareness of where our time is spent and reorient those 24 hours in God-honoring, kingdom-advancing ways. Let us create time and space for the Lord. Matthew 11 told us, or he told us in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Church, I think this is where our burdened souls are tested. It's in this moment, in this reading, where we decide, will we believe in Him? Will we trust Him? We want to rest our souls on the knowledge of how and when our burdensome problems will be addressed. But He's not talking about the details of how and when He'll address those problems. He doesn't provide that. He simply promises that they will be addressed. So this morning, we're going to open up the altar with an invitation for you to come. For you to come and create space, create time at the feet of the Father. To lay down busyness, to lay down distractions, to lay down the hurry that Martha experienced as she was rushing to prepare and get everything together when Jesus' response was, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. 1 Peter 5 says, cast your anxieties on me for I care for you. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in me with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Church, it's time that we find rest for our souls, that we come.